0: Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Surviving the Ground. I'm Jay Dante, and I'm joined by my father Joe Adante, for the fourth week now, since he made his first appearance uh, in Jay. I am your father. That was a solo <laughs> performance. Uh, that was a duet we had, and then uh, then joining with Bard, and then we had our own again. And now we're back again for some. Uh, we got some Cubs Con talk because we were at the Cub convention in Chicago. Uh, and then we've got uh, some playoff coverage going on. We're so close to the end of the season. It's it's a, it's really a bummer actually at this point. Um, so I figure we can jump into some Cubs Con. We were down at the Sheraton today uh, down in the Loop. Yeah, um, at
1: the Sheraton Grand Hotel on Water Street in yeah, Chicago.
0: Yeah, and it was um it was quite a collection of uh well obviously it's a lot of people. A lot of fans and a lot of a lot of groups, but uh, it was quite a collection of players they had available. You know, a wide range, I guess you would say. Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. I, I will say, uh, and I think it's the first convention of of any sports team. I think it started like around 1986. Yeah, it was a heck of a convention. Uh, this is the, uh, I guess, the 35th anniversary. Uh, started in 1986, and uh, according to the owners, anyway, this is the oldest sports convention in the nation so uh you know pretty good uh, pretty good thing to have under your belt and uh they do it with class like i said there's a lot of a lot of players not just current players they had almost the whole team there you know have a, on the 40-man active roster they had almost everybody there uh but uh, they also had uh, a lot of former Cup players. I mean, some of these guys were only on the team for you know, a couple of years, two, three years, but they had a lot of them there. In fact, uh, even going back into the 60s, they had some players. They're like, uh, like a Rich Nye, for example, who was a pitcher in the late 60s. And, uh, of course, a lot of guys from the 2000s, uh, 1990s, and so forth. So, uh, you know, very well done. I will say, if you're, if you're going down to this convention, and you're looking for autographs, for example. I always have the, there, there's a zillion merchants obviously on the floor, and we toured a lot of that, so you can always buy some. You can buy autograph pictures or autograph balls, that kind of thing. But in terms of uh, actually getting them live from players, obviously you have long waits and lines for the popular players, you'd expect that. But the thing is, is that um, a lot of the players on the active team right now. Uh, in order to get something live, you had to have a, a voucher, you know, which, you know, when you when you first come in and register, you get a, a scratch-off ticket, and then if you scratch it off, uh, you might get a voucher to uh, get an autograph from one of these players or a picture of one of these players. And sometimes, you, you, know, you know, you get something else, like, I got a $5 off 50 coupon. <laughs>
0: Purchase so yeah. Yeah, the reason you came pretty much, you yeah. Know. Well, so, well, yeah, so you well, might get or, you, or you get a voucher for 5 p.m. to
1: see uh Nick Horner, <laughs> Nico Horner, yeah, that was a big one too. But uh, so you got to go in and realize that uh, very big likelihood you're not going to get. Uh, big-name players, you know, the the, the uh, Rizzo's and the Bryants and the Baez and so forth. Not still plenty of people do, but the overall majority of people are not going to get those autographs or those pictures.
0: You know, I was going to say, I mean, we ended up buying uh, a couple of the baseballs there in, in, a, in, a, in a couple cases each, and basically, I mean, we collected a pretty good sum oh, yeah. of autographs. Still, uh, you know, we grabbed Mike Fontenot's autograph. It was one of the early ones we got. And then. Uh, handful of pitchers from the '60s and '70s, including Ray Burris, and then, and then you could still go around, and we got, you know, Mike Remlinger and, um, and Rich and Rich Nye. Oh yeah, no, I, we got plenty of autographs. I mean, yeah. kind of We probably John got a, we, we, and... we
1: probably got about ten or twelve autographs. <laughs> yeah. you know, so we got. You
0: just got to pick the right people. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. So if you want people who are like the former Cubs, especially yeah. the like I'd say the, the lesser known ones, but the ones who are only on the team maybe two, three years, four years, whatever, like the ones you mentioned, all kind of fit in that category, then you can get them, and you can yeah. get them actually pretty quick. Uh, we got all those in in one less than really one day. So that's what I'm saying. So I, I just want people to know if they go to conventions and I'm sure it'll be true in future years that, you know, don't go there thinking, oh, I'm going to get all these big stars' names all in one day or two days or whatever because unless you have this uh, a voucher or you can really wait forever in some lines like we we, uh, we weren't even early enough to get Giovanni Soto for example who's a former player oh, yeah. and I thought we were like 30 minutes early to that yeah we were 30 still... minutes early reporting the line and we still couldn't get in there you had to be like 45 to 50 minutes early probably so you gotta recognize if you go there just those two things that you'd, you'd probably be fortunate to get one of the real big guns uh autographs Why? because
0: I was going to say you did end up getting you did end up getting matlock's uh well, an yeah, inter- interview I'm, and he was well, it was technically live because yeah, he was well, there I'm, but, I'm, well, you I'm paid, coming. but you paid for that one,
1: right i'm coming to that so that's a good point uh, so just people realize that in terms, for, for free, you know, you, you probably would be lucky to get one of those real big guns, but you can get a lot of the former Cubs for free. By, and you have to wait in line, but a lot of them are, are quite short lines, you know, yeah. for either autographs or pictures. So that's very good.
0: I'd say typically we were done with most of those lines in about half an hour, even some of the longer yeah. ones we were out within 30, 40 minutes.
1: And then the point you just raised is an excellent one, is that there are some players, even Hall of Famers, a few they'll have that uh, if you go at certain times of the day, there'll be manning booths where uh, you can essentially buy their autograph. You can buy them on a baseball or in a picture or a bat or whatever. And typically, the money's going to... Uh, their charity or something like that like a Ferguson Jenkins you know, he's got a mm-hmm. charity and you could for example you could buy a Ferguson Jenkins book and he'll sign it for I think it was 50 bucks and they have, they have lesser dollar ones too but the, I think the book was I wonder the how, much, was I wonder how much it
0: would have cost you to walk in there with a baseball and have him sign it they
1: probably still would have charged you 20 dollars I think it would have been 20 bucks so he might as well just have him give you the baseball but to be fair that. it was probably better than standing in
0: line for an hour or oh, yeah. some change to get mad. couple.
1: like you were saying a couple of minutes ago I mean, I really enjoyed, and it was the first thing we did. In fact, we went to this little store where they yeah. had some of those, uh, they had Fergie Jenkins and Bill Manlock and Pete Lecoq, I don't want to leave him out. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a Hall of, of Famer. one of the rare times you get to say that. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he is, he is the son of Peter Marshall, former host of the Hollywood Squares years ago in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, I was a Cub for a few years. Anyway, uh, I had a nice little discussion with Bill Madlock and uh, signed a ball, and, you know, a big deal. It cost 20 bucks, and uh, you didn't have to wait in any lines, yeah. and uh, you got to talk with him a little mm-hmm. bit. And i say he would sign other things, too. They had pictures and bats and other things, but uh, I, I preferred a ball in this case. So, you yeah. know, there's a guy who's a four-time batting champion, you know, twice with the Cubs.
0: Yeah, I'd say you were really you were really the icebreaker in that because the majority of the people that we had signing these, it's actually it's funny it's not as much of a majority as I would think because most of those guys I had seen play, I'd say it, you know at least I don't know if we got if we got ten about four to five of those guys I would actually seen them mm-hmm. yeah. play but I know for a lot of them even <clears throat> for people where I didn't have as much to say or didn't know really what I was going to say. Uh, you know it's funny we'd walk up to somebody and I I remember walking up to John Lieber and just being like yeah I realized I had handed him a ball and I didn't say anything you know in in stunned silence and of (laughs) course I it just got worse as I was sitting there and I remember he was about he was saying the ball and he looked up and he yeah he he asked me how how my day was going (laughs) and it just woke me up from the stupor but you know then you'd come up and tell people about this game you remember you know that they pitched I was sad to see you go you know and everything and then you, you you got the ball rolling with a lot of a lot of people because it's hard because realistically I, I would say of the people i got autographs of fontaineau was really like the one that i had the most maybe fandom for yeah. of those people but still it's it's hard to sit there and say you know it's let say you're my role model or something i mean he was in the late you know mid to late 2000s the reality is you know i was already you know 18 plus <laughs> at the time you know, and he was still a pretty young, you know, gun at the time, but a lot of these players we saw, obviously, are people where I, I walked up with you on purpose, because I know you're going to say, you know, oh, Ray Burris, you know, I remember you, I remember that game from Blah Blah, you pitched some really good games, you know, and you're going to get him to start talking. I, th- I thought the two stories, the two stories I loved the most was when you talked to, you told Ray Burris about, you know, how great of a pitcher he was, and, and he told you that, um, you know he he just would go out he'd pitch a he'd pitch a great game, and it was just so you know they'd have him back to pitch another one yeah. you know and then uh and then we walked in on a on a really good Mike Reblinger story that he was telling about apparently I think it was his time with the Cincinnati Reds. And was it Ken Griffey Jr. was the, was the, hitting, was the coach, hitting coach. Yeah. And so he had gone <coughs> Mike uh, Rem-
1: to the batting cage.
0: You know. Yeah, Mac uh, Mac Mike Remlinger had gone to the batting cages to for practice and Ken Griffey Jr. had asked him, you know, what the uh, are you doing here? And, yeah. and basically, he just looked at him and said, you know, I need practice. And then there was some pause. And then Ken Griffey Jr. says, oh, you're serious? And he was like, yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking serious.
1: <laughs> and of course, it was funny, for those who don't know, because Michael Reminger was a pitcher. Yeah. And so that was the, the heart of the the, uh, the joke.
0: And um, But yeah, it was, it was nice seeing them. We saw some people like Bob Dernier and all that, some, yeah. some older time players, and uh, they were very... Very friendly, very talkative. You know, not a lot of, you know, you're you're always waiting for some awkward moments, especially as a younger person stepping up to some of these people. You're expecting them to give you the whole what for, not really. A, you know I, yeah. know, I don't know. I don't I don't know if this how much of a fan this is, but it was. But you know, generally, I would say, you know, some pretty wonderful personalities amongst pretty much everybody we saw, I would oh, say. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I was really impressed. Uh, I hadn't been to the Cup Convention for 12 years. And uh, it, was a, it was similar then, but I, I was very impressed by all the players, really were in good spirits and very friendly with the fans. And uh because you know the thing is is you know no matter how good a guy you are you're sitting there signing balls or signing pictures for off and on you know during the day and you know, get a little tiresome or whatever and the people ask you the same questions all the time or you know, you get a little, you know I can it gets to be a little dull after a while but now these guys really were all of them uh, some more so than others but they were all really in good spirits and kind to the fans
0: although although uh and hey, you, you at times, maybe not so, uh, <laughs> I know at times maybe, maybe we, our banter was not quite as nice to some of the players. Maybe,
1: our, our, maybe our a, private banter, maybe, yeah, that is <laughs> <laughs> out of earshot, the players. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe some, uh, some interesting words about Ian Happ or, uh, Descalzo, Daniel Descalzo. Well, now, now
1: they're going to hear it now because you got in on the podcast. As if <laughs> Daniel Del Scasa
0: or whatever. If you're, if you're watching this, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, in terms of what you were saying earlier about an icebreaker. Or, or Nico Horner's no. Hall of Fame status. Well, Future Hall of Fame status. We'll, we'll come back to that in a second, but uh, <laughs> but to your earlier point you know, about the icebreaker thing is it's always interesting because, you know, there's a lot of very passionate fans there. I I really think as crazy, as sports crazy as people are across this nation, I, I really think that Chicago Cup fans, and maybe Bear fans too, but I, and Hawks, but I really think they're the most passionate fans. And these guys like live and breathe the Cubs. The, the guy that are at the show and uh, the risk is that they're going to go up and want to really talk the guy's ear off yeah so you know I don't attempt to do that but I just say you know a sentence or two and it just kind of I think kind of at least livens up or at least the player understands that you really knew what they did you know you're not just saying oh you're a good guy you know and so that that's all I'm trying to do with those kind of little like one or two sentence icebreakers and I think it kind of gives them a little warm feeling that oh yeah they really do remember me and And appreciated me back then, especially since a lot of these guys, like I said, they were only on the team for two, three, four years, maybe. In in most cases, the guys we saw.
0: Yeah. Well, I love the. uh, I did. I did love the exchange you had with one of the guys (laughs) uh, selling cards. I I know you. um, Oh yeah. (laughs) I know you baseball trading cards. Yeah, yeah. some baseball cards. I know that you. You had lost a pretty substantial bit of them in in a in a flooding, decades back
1: yeah it was our um, first our first house, and oh my goodness, it's probably uh thirty I'd say about thirty years now, it happened, but yeah you know, we had a flood in the basement, and uh you know I had this pretty massive collection it was just in boxes, you know, I was stupid because I didn't have it in the plastic bins at the time, <laughs> but I had it on my mycrosby and there were just some boxes and here we had this flood, and uh basically I lost about a third of my baseball cards and nearly all my football cards. And, of course, the ones at the bottom that got flooded out were all my Cubs. You know, and all the National League and the Cubs. And, obviously, (laughs) these cards are from the late 60s and maybe early 70s when I was a little kid. And some are worth a lot of money. I saw one of the Ron Santo cards was like $285 they were selling at this place. And I had that card. Yeah. And it got flooded out.
0: Well, I thought it was so funny because you kept pointing out, you're like, oh, I had that. And I had that one, you know, and the game was so funny because the guy kept going, "Oh yeah, no, but that's a 1969 card," and I was like, yeah. "I know he looks young or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but he was around in 1969, you know, to have received this card." And you're like, "I know, I know, I well, no, but you see that one looks like it's," and I'm like. How dumb do you think we are? <laughs> like, you, no, I get it, it's just, my dad is 62 years old, he was old enough in 1969 to have purchased this card, you know, it was, you know, it was, I just thought it was funny, he's like, no, but that's, it's rare, and I'm like, yeah, but other people had them, they were just baseball cards they weren't like yeah. never made it's just people don't have a lot of them now.
1: Yeah well you know, know you gotta remember back in those days this is like say back in it's true the you know, 40s, 50s, 60s I started collecting cards really about 66 when I was like 9 years old and you gotta remember that uh, you could buy a pack of 5 baseball cards and you gotta stick a bubble gum for 5 cents <laughs> so I mean even adjusted for inflation I mean they really would be pretty cheap even today. Yeah. So You know, people used to routinely, you know, you'd put them on the spokes of your bike, you know, to make a motorcycle sound, you know, when you pedal. (laughs) Or, I I didn't do that, you know. But, uh, or their mother, almost inevitably, their mothers threw out their baseball cards after they moved out of the house. You know, a lot of times they get married or they move out of the house, they get thrown out. Because they really were, back then, they were considered cheap and, and kind of worthless. And then all of a sudden, I think it was around the late 80s, all of a sudden there was this explosion in the value of these baseball cards and uh, and everybody was being more. And I just felt bad because here, I actually, as a kid, I recognized the value. I, I didn't know they were going to be worth what they are today, but I, mean, yeah. but I recognized they might have some future value, and I took care of them for all those decades. And then, you know, like I say, about half of them got flooded out between my baseball and football cards, about half of them got flooded out. Total, I do have I do have quite a few. I mean, I don't know. Like I probably got still who knows a couple thousand left or something. But but man, I had a ton from the late 60s, uh and they probably I have no idea. It could be worth 20 grand for all I know, or more. I don't know. I have no idea. If they hadn't all got, or a lot of them hadn't gotten flooded out. So every every time I walk by there, I get sick to my stomach. I walk by <laughs> one of those traders, I really do.
0: Well, so we didn't spend a lot of time in a. And uh, new age cubs. I mean, I know we uh, uh, of of slightly newer cubs. I know we
1: got a picture with. Uh, I always I forgot we got we had a picture with Barney. Yeah, I got a picture with Darwin Barney, who was uh, an ex cub. Yeah. And once like most of them, they, I think he was on the team for three or four years. But you know, it was a good little player. Yeah, probably the most recent, uh, most
0: recent uh, interaction we had. But I know you're still in tap with some of the more current issues going on. Right now, how do you feel about the uh, the Cubs situation going forward? I know they've got some interesting uh, trade. Every anyone, everyone can can be bought, uh, you know, to some extent with a trade. Um, Chris Bryant's got his issues. Uh, how do you feel about next year going forward?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I actually wish I felt better about the Cubs than I do. Uh, the, uh, my guess is, Bob, I think they'll be over five hundred. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the division. Or a wild card. I hope they will. I know, they could. There's, there's a lot of raw talent there. I sure hope they do. But if I had a you know gun to my head and I had to make a prediction, I, I would say they're probably not going to make the playoffs. If they do, it'd be as a wild card. And I only say that because if 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 we're going to be really honest, we, we take our cub rose-colored glasses off. The fact of the matter is, is that if you were to draw a little graph as far as the wins per season. You know, you'd see it going up. Let's go back to uh, 2014, which is pretty bad. But you go 2014, and then 2015 would be higher. Then 2016 was kind of the zenith, and they won the World Series. And then down some uh, the next year, down some, and then down some this year. So you see kind of a a hill. So what really is there to convince you that all of a sudden you're going to turn the tide and all of a sudden we're going to go uphill because to your point you were saying earlier they really haven't made any like bombshell acquisitions or anything that would lead you to believe there's going to be a radical change in the team and then and secondly and this is kind of the cause of it and this affects all teams to some degree is that all these when they won the world series and almost the whole team was under 25 years old they were all guys that were under team control they were pre-arbitration you know, only a handful of guys had big contracts, uh, and and this was totally predictable. We knew this was going to happen, but here we are four years later. Well, now these guys are all arbitration eligible. You know, some are either bound to be free agents after this year. They're still like Chris Bryant. They're still debating will he be a free agent after this year or not because he has a suit uh, or, or a grievance. I guess is a more technical term. He has a grievance filed against the Cubs. Uh, to whether, you know, he's going to be a free agent after one year or two years. So all this stuff was known and was going to happen. So salaries explode, literally explode. So, and, you know, somebody like Chris Bryan, who maybe was making, I don't know, six, seven hundred thousand or something like that, don't quote me on it, but it was a really low number during the, the World Series years. now making this year like eighteen and a half million. and <laughs> And similar, you know, you look at the Javi the Baez's and the Schwerber's. And, well, even Rizzo, although he's been under contract all these years, his salary's gone up a ton. I think he's up there in double digits right now. I don't know if it's like 11 or $12 million, which is low for a player of his caliber, but much higher than he was making the World Series year. But anyway, pitchers, and they're all expensive exploding these salaries and good for them I don't I don't this is not anti player at all great for them make all you can but I'm just saying that's so how hard it is to maintain excellence for a a large number of years you're almost and even though there's no salary cap I mean the ownerships made it clear that they don't want to pay a luxury tax so if you have a salary that's over 200 odd million you have to actually pay the legal luxury tax and they've made it clear they want to stay under that level. So they could, you know, physically spend more, but they they want to limit it and it's still like two hundred something million. It should be plenty. So the point the bottom line is, is that you're you're going to lose players or fail to sign players that you'd like to. Like this Nicholas Castellanos. Last two two and a half months for the Cubs, right fielder, fantastic. Picked him up from Detroit. Excellent player. You know, he probably was the best hitter on the Cubs for the last two and a half months. He's gone. You know, and the sad part is, and I don't have the exact dollars in front of me, but I think he's still a free agent. I don't think he's signed with anybody yet. But he would sign for a relatively, you know, reasonable amount. I mean, he doesn't want $30 million a year. I think he was like for the maybe mid-teens, millions per year, you know, five, four or five-year deal. Uh, by today's standards for his quality I mean that would be considered you know pretty much a nice little bargain but because of the explosion of all these other players salaries you know they don't want to you know buy them they don't want to pick them up as a free agent so that's why I think you know the, the, the Cubs are gonna find it tough to ever get back to those glorious. You know, the third thing too, and I think this was somewhat unpredictable, when they won the World Series in 2016, they had all these young guys. The belief was that they're really young. They're going to get better. And really, other than Javi Baez, and Javi Baez did get better. He got a lot better. But other than Javi Baez, none of the other guys actually got better. A lot of them got worse. Yeah, You know, some of them, like Edison Russell, are now off the team. Uh... Now, that's not to say they're doing bad. So, like, a Schwarber, Chris Bryant, you know, Elmora Jr., you know, Hayward. It's not that those guys are doing bad. Don't misquote me. But they're not doing better than they did in 2016. Yeah. You know, if you look at the average and in home runs, RBIs, any any measurement you want to make, they're, they're certainly not better than they were then. I, I think, really, they've trended a little downward. And some of it's due to injury, like Chris Bryant's had some injuries, but... But they're not, you know, you didn't see that big leap, you'd think, you know, that we expect. And then, of course, the pitching staff, and a big part of it is because of salaries. The pitching staff is really kind of thinned out compared to what it was back then, especially the reliefers. I mean, most of the reliefers are, are like minimum salary guys now other than the closer. Uh, anyone who's making any kind of money has been let go or traded by now. So. So that's really kind of a long-winded summary of of saying that this was kind of totally predictable as far as them really struggling to maintain excellence because of the salaries. Two, the players didn't, the, all those young guys didn't get appreciably better, and then three, they've once again related to salaries have really, really thinned out the pitching staff. And so it's going to be kind of a, trying to catch lightning in a bottle, you know, trying to hope that people have career years, and it could happen. Mm. And some of, the, especially some of these young pitchers, they have, you know, maybe will they'll, they'll blossom, <coughs> and I, I sure hope they do. So I'm not going to guarantee that they're not going to do anything this year, but uh, there's really no indication whatsoever that. Uh, that they're not going to continue that downward slide, and and sad to say, probably going to continue for the foreseeable future. I mean, the, I say, I think they'll be over five hundred this year, but you know, don't be surprised two three years from now when they're uh, you know in last place. Yeah. Uh, so sad to say, especially if they lose any more. You, you mentioned Chris Bryant. Uh, who knows a couple of years from now? The Anthony Rizzo, if he's going to be here, who knows a couple of years from now about you know some of these other guys? Obviously, a couple of years from now, John Lester won't be here. Uh, Just because probably because of age, I'm probably retire. Yeah, he's certainly past his prime right now. So I hate to paint the doom and gloom. I think they're well worth watching, but I'm not sure that the timing uh, of them starting their own marquee network was really (laughs) that terrific. Uh, It would have been a much better idea in 2017 than than it would have been in 2020. But uh, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully, they'll do they'll do well. Like I said, it should be watchable. Over 500 may make you know wild card. But uh, it's gonna be tough sledding because of this the salary issue and, and uh you know, trying to get back to that twenty sixteen glory. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah.
0: Well you know it it's it's always hard to kind of well having hope in the Cubs obviously has changed a little bit with time, especially with them winning a World Series, but as a whole, it's still you. You have your you have your doubts about a lot of things, and you. I think you just can't kind of try and hope that you put your best
1: foot forward, and maybe you just have a year that maybe you're not expecting, uh, the worst case scenario. Yeah, it can happen, and you know. Let me be clear. I mean, I, and once again, I think people always think I'm the Sox fans out there think I'm making fun of them or denigrating them. Nothing of the sort. But the 2005 White Sox, a classic example, just came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden they had a sensational year they had the most wins in the league they, you know they had swept the world series four games i think they only lost one playoff game in all the series it was a fantastic year and they were they were they were the best team in the league they deserved it to win the world series and and they got it done but the fact of the matter is i mean everybody just kind of magically had a career year pitchers and hitters i mean it was wonderful it was unbelievable but it was totally unpredictable And the year before they didn't make the playoffs, the year after they didn't make the playoffs. And two years after, they lost 90 games. In fact, from that World Series in 2005 to the present, they've actually, I believe, only made the playoffs one time in 15 years. So... Yeah, you know, the management kind of sits there and thumps their chest about what a great job they did in two thousand five. But it really, it was just kind of a lightning in the bottle. You know, everybody had a career year. It was a wonderful, magical year. And obviously, you had about you had two years of it really with the Cubs because of, of
0: them making the playoffs the year before and well, the Cubs working was, their yeah, way yeah, in. Yeah, the Cubs
1: was not really a lightning in a bottle. That was more of a management strategy thing. Because uh, to your point, they they were good for they've been good now for five years in a row. Yeah. and they made the playoffs four years in a row they played in the NL, the, uh, the NL championship game three years in a row so the Cubs uh, really were uh, an example of, of management actually enacting a plan completely rebuilding the farm system and creating this team that was good for a number of years and like I say probably I think the only reason they're really plummeting now is is because the reasons I mentioned earlier between the salaries and then some of the young players kind of peaking but the Sox was just kind of one season wonder and I always say this really quickly I've told everyone around me this for decades now is that the uh, every team and I mean virtually every team in any sport, you always have what I call a a dumb luck championship. And people think that I'm making fun of, them, but that's not really nothing the sort. But what it is, it's kind of like a dumb luck win. Is where it's like the White Sox in 2005, where, where everything you, just you didn't see it coming, up. you know, and all of a sudden he has a fantastic year. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's pretty much just everything just happens to line up.
1: Yeah, and you know, you're crummy the year before, you're crummy the year after, but for that one glorious year in between i think a good example is what was it, three four years ago you know leicester city you know won the premier league yeah and you know not to denigrate them they, they were the best team in the league they deserved it great just like the white Sox in 2005 but well and you got nobody of, saw that coming. Oh, well and you have plenty
0: of years like uh like that tamp it's a tampa bay and oakland it's uh, super bowl this was like <laughs> you know a yeah, Super Bowl you weren't really expecting at the time. That was I mean, God. How many years ago was that? Was that in the '90s? No, yes. it was like 2002 was it, or something like that? Yeah, somewhere around there.
1: It's been a while now.
0: Um, but it you know, kind but of the, out of nowhere. But of that thing. stuff
1: that stuff happens, and that's not to denigrate their win at all. Like I say, the White Sox deservedly won their World Series. They're the best team. Terrific, Leicester City, same thing so these teams deserve it that doesn't denigrate them up. but but the biggest the point is usually everybody gets it every you know 30 years or 40 years you get one of these dumb luck wins everybody has a career year and everything's fantastic you get all the breaks the biggest surprise to me is actually that for 108 years the, the Cubs never got a dumb luck win yeah I mean, they won early on, you know, 1945 and earlier, they won a few uh, NL championships, National League championships. But as far as winning the World Series, I'm, you know, before this one that they won in, in uh, 2016, I think the Cubs record in the World Series was 2-10. and 10. <laughs> And I'm like, how the heck can you lose that many series? And they lost a whole bunch in a row. I think they lost about six or seven series in a row, something like that, if not more. So the biggest surprise to me was that they didn't have that... You know, one big year where you. you went, and the years yeah, that they and, were threatening. And it, still,
0: it still took them literally coming down to the absolute yeah. ropes.
1: Yeah, they were down yeah, three the games end. to one to the Indians. I mean, even years where the Cubs like threatened to do it, like '69. And when I know people talk about 1969 all the time. And really, for no kidding, for the first two thirds of the year, the Cubs had the best team I've ever seen. And I thought they were going to set all kinds of records. And completely went in the toilet. Then for the last month and a half, didn't even win the division. They're eight games out. And then uh, even some of these other teams, 1984, had a, had a wonderful team, won the division, and somehow and they, were up, they were up two games and nothing in the Padres, and then blew it. Anyway, the list goes on and on. You got '89, you got in 2007 and 2008, they won the division both those years. You know in, in and you got the 2004 too, right? they won the division yeah, well 1998 they were a wild card okay that's true but most of those years you know now I will say one quick thing is that to some extent now when the when, when uh, some of it's not total uh, bad luck when when the Wrigley's owned the team when you get past World War two they they were really bad owners you know they're very cheap and very poor judges of talent they did kind of idiotic things you know in the early 60s rather than having a manager they had this college of coaches where you'd get a different head coach every month and everyone was confused and getting conflicting direction and <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't put lights in Wrigley Field for the longest time not until I think what 80s I was it, 88 or something like that yeah and uh, The list goes on. They were dumb even in their tax planning. Apparently, from what I understand, when uh, Phil Wrigley died in the late 70s, I think it was 78 or so, uh, they didn't have their estate planning in place. So he died, and then his wife inherited, and she had to pay some big inheritance tax. And then she died immediately, like the next year, I think, or very shortly after. And then they had to pay the same taxes all over again. So they did it twice, and they end up selling out for a, you know, to help pay their bill, they end up selling for a song to the Tribune Company in the early 80s. So the, the whole Wrigley ownership, once you get to Phil Wrigley, not, not Bill Wrigley. Not bill Wrigley was the guy early 1900s. Good job. Phil Wrigley, terrible. And then people make fun of the Tribune Company, but the Tribune Company really was trying. Now, obviously, they had a budget for payroll, like any corporation. But they tried, and like so they had some division championships in that, but they just couldn't get the ball over the goal line there. But they did win several, a number of division championships, and they had the wild card, as you mentioned. So the point is, they've had some bad ownership over the years. Uh, but still, I, it's, the biggest surprise to me is that you know like, you only won once in 108 years. And of course, the White Sox got none. They're beating their chest over the 2005 like it was yesterday, but you know it was 88 years before their last World Series uh, to 2005. So it's not like they do it every other year. Yeah.
0: Well, I figure. Uh, so you know, so it sounds like we're in for a we're in for a, any kind of random roller coaster ride for this team. Um, I wanted to move over to at least our soccer team just for a minute. Liverpool playing Manchester United tomorrow uh, who do you think is going to win that game
1: well you have to give the edge to Liverpool they uh, have won all their games but one they have one draw and uh, I think even over the two seasons they've only lost one game yeah actually the they've last two seasons yeah that's an excellent point point. and I will say the, the one draw that they have this year was the Manchester United yeah Uh, But it was at Manchester United. This is at Liverpool tomorrow. Uh, So I'd have to give the edge to Liverpool. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they drew. I'd be surprised if they lost. But I I think they get at least a draw of it. But you'd have to to give them the edge. And and to your point, now they're unbeaten, I understand. They're unbeaten in 38 straight Premier League games. That's the equivalent of a whole season, 12 (laughs) 12 months. So they're unbeaten in 38 straight games. Now that's got to end sometime. But Something tells me it's probably not going to be this weekend. Yeah, I, I think when it ends, it might be like when they go to Manchester City, for example. You know, maybe somebody like that. Uh, and, and you're right, you know, this thing from Liverpool is not a fluke. It's not like they're Johnny come lately. Well, they, uh,
0: well, they really, I mean, I know that, so the owner the owner of uh, Liverpool, they, I believe they're still the same people who own the Reds and... The Red Sox. And, yeah, the Red Sox, sorry, the Red Sox. And um, Fenway Group, or I think it's Fenway Group or something. Yeah, like they, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they've really, I mean, they, the cast of characters uh, has remained somewhat similar with, <clears throat> sorry, with like uh, Milner, Henderson, and uh, I know they've had Firmino now for so on so many years. At a time when he was even kind of a, you know, a front lines player for them at one time, and sort of the transitions after Suarez and and everything. But um, Coutinho as well. Coutinho when they had when they had him around, and obviously they've shed Coutinho, but. In getting rid of him, you've now seen the emergence um, of play, even players like Origi in the background and they've brought in Salah and they brought in Mane and both of these guys have really, I mean it's a striking pair that over the last, I mean now it's almost been 10 years of Liverpool fandom for me anyway, but it's to be 10 years of even seeing some players on there and this, it's a front line that you've never seen before. Also coupled with good midfield play and amazing defend uh, defensive play from players like uh, Van Dijk um, mm-hmm. and the midfield play with something like an Alexander Arnold and and then they've been in um, the in goalie play from Allison. I mean they've been just. You know, they've been able to
1: really just clean house, and it's been, it's been a really wonderful year for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, abs- uh, The that, key point is that's why it's not a fluke, and this has been going on for a couple of years now. You think about it. Now, you mentioned this earlier. Last season in the Premier League, they lost only one game, and it was to Manchester City. But they lost only one game all year. What did them in last year was seven draws. So they yeah. ended up you know, losing the Premier League title by a point. I mean, Manchester City had to win without a draw. They had to win 14 straight games at the end of the year to do it to finish one point ahead of them. But so it's good. You know, was So that team was then they they had a uh, year before they had uh, lost in the final of the Champions League, and then of course last year they won the Champions League. Yeah. And now this year, like I said, they have all wins except for one draw. So I mean, they really had about two years now. You're year, between a year and a half and two years of this team that you mentioned. These players. And really, it's it's not a fluke. They've they're f- got to be the best team in the world right now. they certainly have the best front line in the world. And like I say, what's really solidified things is that they, they've usually been able to score goals over the years. Like you mentioned, the last 10 years, you've been following them closely. But... They've never had the kind of defense or goaltending that they have now, and and yeah. you you hit the nail on the head. Van Dyke is like the glue that holds everything together. When he's there, I mean, he's like a force back there, directing people. And of course, he's a physically big, imposing yeah. guy. And I will tell you something. Whenever I see the other team trying to uh, get the ball over the defense through the air or whatever, and every, it's like eighty percent of the time, it seems like Van Dyke is there with his head, yeah. you know, getting it out of harm's way. And, of course, Allison, last year and this year, he's been on the team. He's been spectacular, or a little short of spectacular. Yeah. And he's had to hold chances. So I, it's an amazing team, and I hate to jinx them, because with all these heroics we talk about now, they've not ever won the Premier League. Yeah. So now they got a huge lead, and it would take a lot to blow it at this point. So, But hopefully we haven't jinxed them, and they can bring it home.
0: Yeah, I would. I would, I would believe at this point in time, I you know, I, it seems, their prowess seems pretty certain at this point, because I assume if they have, if they do lose that eventual game, they'll, I hope it'll start ramping some people into gear, you know, if they do get kind of sloppy and end up losing something.
1: Well, Yeah, and you know, I would just say real quick, that's that's actually what I see on TV, on these talk shows a lot, is people ask commentators, do you think they'll lose a game this year? So, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think they'll lose a game this year? In the Premier League, not, yeah, not, not all yeah. camps
0: um, I don't have the schedule sitting in front of me So I couldn't really tell you who I think it's going to be they always, They've always, they always worried me in history by losing some really crappy games you know, Back in the day it was the, the West Brom games they'd play And they'd lose on a penalty kick at the end But they don't, they don't seem to be having game, games where that happens to them uh, This year they Bur- lost
1: a Burnley a couple of years ago, like 2 to nothing. I yeah. think. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> pathetic.
0: Um, they might lose one game before the end of the year, but I don't think it'll be more than one if they do. My guess is maybe you're still talking about maybe a, a draw or two left, but I think yeah. they'll win the majority of their games. I think they'll they'll win all but
1: three of their games going forward. I, I'm with you on that one. I think that's an excellent prediction. We'll see. I, I think, frankly, I think they'll, if they lose, like I say, it'll probably be a Manchester City. I think they still yeah. have an away game there. And Manchester City, I mean, they're way out of, way, way behind right now, but they're just playing like madmen at this point, trying to claw their back way, way back in. If not Man City, then... Um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Manchester United tomorrow, or maybe uh, one of these other high. But it's going to be, to your point, I, it, it's so hard to go through a thirty-eight game season without losing a game. Arsenal did it a number of years back, earlier in the two thousands. Although they had a bunch of draws, yeah. But it's very difficult to not lose a game. And here, here's the key to me. The key to me is. If all they had to do was play in the Premier League, I think it's quite possible they could go undefeated. Yeah. But that's not what happens. They've got all these tournaments. They're trying to play in between. The main thing being the Champions League, that's going to be rearing its ugly head in February where they've got to play more games, you know, yeah. home and homes. And then you've got, I believe, still coming up the FA Cup. Which they probably have some interest. They've already they've already botched the League Cup. They gave that one up. They had to. Something tells me that the FA might go out the window, too. Yeah, that's probably just, what just happens. Just to try and But the point is, is that I, I think that the problem is they're going to have to play so many games. When you get in February, March, and April, they're going to have to play so many games in all these different... Uh, Tournaments that I I think it's going to be a struggle. I think they'll do really well, but I think it's going to be a struggle to not lose a game. You know, they might have to be in a place where, through substitutions, they have to make or whatever. Well,
0: I think I think if you had if you had to choose one to take this season, I mean, I would definitely say that you know you take the Premier League while you can take the Premier League, because for them, obviously, I would say if you've done it a couple times, it's not a big deal. But if you've never done it before. I think you have to try and go for it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and especially since you already won the Champions League last year, if you had to have one or the other, now in your point, I think in some way, in shape or form, there's a, there's a, a line in which you can win both. Right. And that's winning the Champions League and it possibly causing you to lose a game or, exactly. or so in the Premier League, but you'll still win the Premier League, right. even with a loss or two. And
1: that's where I'm coming one. from because they have such a huge league. Yeah. um, As long as they don't
0: draw their way through the rest of the season.
1: Well, right, but Jurgen Klopp's going to have some difficult decisions to make, oddly enough, because they have such a huge lead. Uh, If it it was really close, they had a two- or three-point lead, yeah, he'd have to be playing the starting lineup every game, you know, for the Premier League, and too bad about the other... Uh, competitions but because he has such a huge lead he, he's in the Premier League he's going to have some tough choices well you're going to see a, do you're going to see some, some Origi starts yeah do I play some of the bench guys here because I want to because I think I can win both I can win the Champions League and the Premier League just maybe maybe I can't win the Premier League by 17 points but yeah. I can maybe win it by eight points or ten points
0: yeah it depends on how they play the few games kind of leading up
1: to this um, it's gonna, that part, that part, I think is going to be intriguing. I, to me, there's no doubt that they're the best team in the league. There's no doubt they're the best team, yeah, um, among the best teams certainly in Europe and the world. But the issue to me is how is that lineup? What's fascinating is how will that lineup be manipulated now this late winter and fo- uh, spring to try to win as many things as you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really trying to figure out how much each how much each item means to you. Exactly, and you'll see that based on the lineup going forward. Exactly. Um well, I want to spend a little bit of time. I know the the big thing coming up tomorrow, and the reason I wanted to try and rush one of these out um, is we have last week's games <laughs> uh, for football. We have we have some big ones, and there you have the Titans, which we've been dying to talk about. The Titans just literally. I mean, you could skip almost the entire podcast <laughs> last week. Um, don't listen to any, you know, at least skip about 20 minutes of it.
1: Skip everything um, that I said. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, the Titans really took the Ravens out, so that was, that was a, a bit of a blow uh, there. Then you had um, Kansas City and the Texans, which of course started out as a pretty hotbed game early on. Uh, with the Texans taking a 24 nothing lead, only to then watch 41 consecutive points be scored on them. Um, so that game, funny enough, the game ended up turning out resultingly, the result ended oh, up being yeah. what we kind of wanted it to be, but it's sure, I was sure kind of scared of that result
1: coming well, out that way in the, yeah, after I, a quarter or so. And I will tell you, let, let's start with that Baltimore uh, Titans game. You know, pretty much everybody had egg on their face on that one. Yeah. And I I really don't feel bad about my prediction. I wish I would have made it right, but I mean, I don't feel bad about that because, you know, Baltimore had won 12 games in a row. I mean, they were just rolling over everybody. Then they come against the Titans, who are, you know, a team on the rise, but uh, look terrible. Yeah. Uh, both offensively and defensively look awful. And so I think it's going to be fascinating to see next year. What happens? I mean, obviously we think they'll be good and probably make the playoffs, but will they be dominating next year? Baltimore? Will they continue? You got a young quarterback. Will they continue to go on the rise? Will they rebuild this or build up this defense so that it's still really good? Well, I
0: think it's funny at the same time. Like you said, a team on the rise, and now you're talking about Baltimore maybe missing a a, a tiny window there because you're starting to see teams like Buffalo come up. You're seeing the decline of the Patriots and you're seeing the rise of the titans as well uh kansas city is always, uh, has always as always the last few years has been kind of staying at a pretty high level of play you have the texans getting better with uh deshaun watson absolutely yeah so there's gonna the afc as usual is going to continue to be pretty tight going forward and of course there's teams teams you never think that didn't make it this year the Browns can always be better the Steelers should have some pieces back and they'll be better Mm -hmm. yeah um So you start saying there's going to see a lot more teams where you're going to see that. And Miami's got about seven first-round picks. Yeah, Miami could be a whole lot better next year. Certainly two years from now, two, three years from now. now. So you're looking at kind of a tight window for Lamar, so I'm hoping just for his own sake, I'm hoping obviously next year ends up playing out pretty well for the Ravens. Yeah,
1: and and don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, you know Lamar's a superstar. He's young. He's going to have a fantastic career, you know, barring injury. But what my point is is that I was trying to make though is that when you miss when you have a miss like they did last yeah. week, your thought is, oh wow, well, they got ten more years, twelve more years to try, but you don't know that. Yeah, you don't. Either through injury or you know some kind of flukes or you know, bad luck or whatever. I mean, I've seen teams. That I mean, clearly Baltimore was the best team in the league, no question this year, and they lost. And and I've seen that happen many times in sports, and they never get another chance. You know? Yeah, yeah. they may be good, but they never really are in that catbird seat where, you know, they can go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. You know, I, I mean, I'm not trying to get you know dire straits here, talk, but. You know, this is just one of those situations where if you're the best team, you really have to win. <laughs> yeah. you can't blow these opportunities. And you know, who knows? Who knows why they lost? I and mean, did they? Were they looking ahead? Maybe they didn't think you know the Titans were that great, and they were looking ahead, like I said, the yeah, next game. Yeah, or maybe they just were flat. Or maybe it was because of the rust. You know, they they basically took off week seventeen of the, resting a lot of their starters, their key yeah. guys. Was you know basically had three weeks off. Was well, that too much?
0: Yeah. Well, it feels like. Uh, I think the biggest thing that kind of hit them is Derek Henry is uh, he and that man is on a mission. It seems like because he uh, that that man has been running running for his life the last you know what is it the last like I thought they had a stat it was like seven up to seven weeks he had a thousand yards rushing the last seven weeks or something like that. Yeah, uh, and he. I don't know much about the Ravens' run defense, but, I mean, the first half he had, you know, 100 yards.
1: I thought on the first half he had yeah, over 100 you know, yards. And I actually, uh, it's just kind of humorous because uh, over the year, I think Henry's been on the team like four or five years. Yeah. And they keep trying to bring in guys to be the starter ahead of Henry. Yeah. And finally, it's like they just gave up. I mean, I think it's humorous because Henry should always have been the starter. Yeah. But like, in fact, uh, uh, Deion Lewis was brought in to be the starter last
0: year. Yeah, I think and he's got, and I think he's got. There's elements of his game. I mean, I like the way Deion plays. I mean, but obviously, they saw him in a Patriots offense well, exactly. that really shows that that showcases Deion Lewis as a short pass back or. You know, whatever, where he's kind of. But, anything, but I'm just
1: but, yeah. saying that he was brought in as a starter, and obviously, you know, Henry should always have been starting because the last, the last I'd say four games or five games, they really started using Henry a lot last year, and yeah. just pulverized the opponents. Yeah, it was too late to save their season. But but getting back to your point now, the thing is, is that uh, I, c- I could understand like when they when they put Ryan Tannehill in there. As a the quarterback, they were getting a lot more passing and that made Henry more effective. So you saw in the second half, he was really piling up the yards. But a lot a big part of it was they're opening up the passing game so he had more room to run then. The thing that's baffling to me is they hardly passed for any yards last week. I was gonna say they've Baltimore. been they've been
0: they've been talking about so much about Brian Tannehill and with the things that he's done, and I also hear a lot of people now talking about in his last couple games. He hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't had to. I mean, he, the, the, rea- the reality is, they look at it and they go, "Well, his his passing game isn't bad. It's just he hasn't had to." He hasn't needed so. To. So statistically, you look at it and you go, "Well, but what if he needs to?" And right. you're
1: assuming in Kansas he's going to need yeah to. I, you're absolutely right and i, I think that'll be a fascinating thing to watch tomorrow uh and see how much he does have to pass and see how effective henry is because
0: henry has to be effective in that game because it's kansas city's weakness is the run defense but if all they have to plan for is henry exactly and their pass defense is already ready for Tannehill, and it's that's very interesting
1: and right and that's where i'm coming from on baltimore so <laughs> yeah if both these first two playoff games including the baltimore game Daniel hasn't had to pass for much i mean less than 100 yards passing i think each game so baltimore has no excuse they could have just piled up nine guys on the line to try and stop henry and they didn't do it so there's some question marks especially on defense there's some question marks in my mind and even on offense okay yeah lamar is great but does he have the receivers Is his line good enough? I mean, I think there's going to be questions going into next year, which, you know, they'll be good, but the questions are, you know, are they going to be Super Bowl, you know, worthy next year? Your window of opportunity is not always. You know, several years long. It might only be a year or two long because it's a whole team. It's not just Lamar. It's The whole team has got to be good. But it, it's always nice, to your point. It's always nice to see like an underdog get into yeah. the championship Absolutely. game. Absolutely, could be a really good game. And I think you're right. I think they're they're going to have to pass against Kansas City.
0: Well, that being said, realistically, uh, Titans going into into Kansas and um, you know Mahomes. I know they've been Kansas City's been kind of stopped a little short a couple times. In their um, <clears throat> in the in their push for Super Bowl glory, so realistically, I don't want to analyze it too much in the favor of time and the fact that we need to go to the NFC too. But
1: uh, who do you think is going to pull in this one out? Now, once again, I, you've got to give the edge to Kansas City. Uh, they're at home. Uh, they are favored by I guess seven points, according to NFL.com. Uh and I think I think the reason I say that is because you saw what happened last week. Yeah. You know, the first quarter, or so I mean every break in the world, the Texans played fantastic and they got every break in the world, turnovers left and right and a bunch of drop passes by the Kansas City receivers. Everything went wrong for Kansas City, everything went right. They're up twenty-four-nothing, the Texans. And but they still couldn't hold it. And yeah. it's just that explosive offense. If you don't have if you don't have a real first class uh, defense. And, and the Titans have played really good defense, you know, yeah. really good defense, first two games. But if you don't really have a, a superb defense, I mean, they're going to put up a lot of points. So that's why I like that game last week, uh, even though the Texans jumped out to a 24 nothing lead. I mean, it actually kind of went exactly as we predicted, as the Kansas City's offense is just going to overrun you, and they ended up winning by 20. And, and I don't think that, they'll yeah. do it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know these two teams played earlier. I know it came down to a blocked field goal, but. I think at the end of the day, it's uh, Kansas City's probably a little more prepped for this game, and and I imagine, in general, I would imagine that if if Tennessee can't get some deep solid passing game going, the things that Tannehill was maybe you know being rated higher for early or late in you know, late in the season, or I guess his his whole season. Um, they can't get that kind of high wire act, or, you know, going for them. The reality is, like you said, you, Derrick Henry can score you a couple touchdowns, but the reality is, yeah. Mahomes and them, it's just going to be your defense is going to be on the field all day, chasing people and getting gassed, you know. So the reality, oh. is a flick of a wrist, and Mahomes. You know, keeps moving them down the field. You know, twenty, thirty yards at a piece. Um, so, I, th- I think, obviously, I think just like the last game, I, I think it, I think it'll probably be somewhat close. But I, I think Kansas City will still win that by a touchdown.
1: I, I agree. If I, I predict they'll probably win by a little more than a touchdown. I, I wouldn't be surprised I th- if they win by a couple touchdowns. I
0: think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, though, uh, to some Pro- extent. My guess is it's not going to be fifty-one points. I don't think, but. I think just by mere choking in the playoffs, just the kind of like playing a little closer to the hip, my guess is it'll be it'll probably be like one of those 28-35 kind of games, or someone gets a little closer or it's you know twenty eight thirty eight and thirty nine something yeah, I would of that say sort. I'd say
1: like I'd say like thirty eight twenty eight or thirty eight twenty four or something like that, Kansas City, yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I say Titans give them all the credit in the world. they've played great. Offense terrific, defense fantastic. Yeah, I mean, so no, I don't tomorrow reason. will really be the challenge. Now, can they really do it against uh, for a, an, another week? Can they really do it against a, a superb offense, high-scoring, point-a-minute offense?
0: I mean, if they can do it against, it, and I will say this: the one thing I was worried about was after they beat the Ravens, I kept thinking, okay, if they can get to the Super Bowl, what kind of they're going to get destroyed? if they somehow manage to luck their way out to the Super Bowl. But -hmm. the problem is at this point, I mean, if they can beat the Ravens and they they can kill the Ravens and they can beat the Chiefs, I mean, you're going to be in for quite a Super Bowl, I think, because the reality is beating those kind of opponents, I mean, that's... I mean, you deserve to be where you are. If you can can take the Chiefs and the Ravens down back-to-back weeks, Um, I think I think I think they'll really be a viable opponent. You know more so than I would have thought
1: in the beginning. Oh, absolutely! I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, if if they can do it two weeks in a row like that, uh, then yeah, they've really proven themselves as a remarkable second half. You know, comeback for the for the Titans. So that's why as I said, that game will be fascinating because, yeah, you know, it's really the Titans can win. Yeah, but it's going to be a big uphill struggle at Kansas City.
0: Well, I know this is not our uh, not our our forte per se, but we try and sum this one and try and get some summing down. So we'll move over to the the NFC. We've got Seattle and Green Bay in a tight game. Green Bay ends up edging that out, and then much like our prediction was to stay. Um, <coughs> Uh, the 49ers put an absolute lay down on the Vikings uh you know the score was not like you know five touchdowns ahead or something but but I mean they were they were a dominant performance throughout that game yeah so you get kind of um what goes back to sort of uh, I mean they've played each other you know several couple years ago you know with Kaepernick and them but really what I like to think of as a 90s showdown <laughs> you know between uh Green Bay and San Francisco and right now um I know their last meeting didn't go so well for Green Bay. Um, I, Rogers was on the Dan Levitard show, and they'd asked him about it, and he was talking about, uh, you know, learning from past mistakes and everything. But the problem is it's not just an offensive thing. You know, the reality is you you really have to worry about, about uh, San Francisco's offense, and Rogers doesn't have a whole lot of control over that. So the reality is... Um, you have him in San Francisco, um, so, somewhat. When I mean, Garoppolo now going on a, on an injury-free season, um, really solid running back play, a, a whole host yeah, of they, wide receivers yeah, and got tight three really ends, really good running backs and backs and the line's been holding up. Um, and then he's had a defense to back him up with with Nick mm. Bosa and everything. Yeah. I don't want to say it's impossible for the Packers to win that game. But um, you know, my initial thought is that you're going to get a good game out of it. But I'm assuming the Forty ers are going to win that game.
1: Oh, I to- totally agree. And uh, yeah, I want to they're favored by seven and a half, according to the NFL.com. But yeah, I would definitely get there at home, and they beat them pretty badly earlier in the year. And I just think they're they're all all around more complete team than the Packers. Yeah. Uh, if the Pack, And the Packers certainly could win. I think if the Packers are going to win, I'm going to need an extraordinary game from, from Aaron Rodgers. And, and he's capable of doing it, but they're going to need a spectacular game from him because San Francisco, like, you painted the picture, uh, Jay. They've got it all. You know, great running, great passing, great defense, great line. I mean, it's a complete team. Uh, they're they're good in, in all aspects so and they're at home so it, it's gonna be awfully tough for Green Bay to win I, I just want to make one quick comment I we did I or I actually got my prediction wrong last week I thought that Seattle would beat Green Bay but uh, a Aaron Rodgers had a spectacular game which which is good but B, and more important, the game actually did go exactly as I thought it would in terms of you know Seattle tries to establish their running game, they get way behind, and they yeah. start passing like crazy in the second half, and they just barely either win or lose by you know they end up losing by five I think so the game went uh, pretty much the way that we thought it would or at least I thought, but uh, they just fell short, you know, and I and I think they made kind of a yeah, a lot of people. There's no right or wrong answer. Some people would say it's a sound decision, but when they had about three and a half minutes left, and they had a fourth and twelve, Seattle elected to punt the ball away, and then they never saw it again. You know, yeah. they got a couple firsts. So it makes sound football sense from the standpoint that uh, fourth and twelve, probably low percentage that you're going to make it. So so punt it. But but uh, when I was watching it on TV, I was kind of screaming at the TV, said no, you know, don't do that. Because here's the point: in that situation, fourth and twelve with three and a half minutes left. Let's say you go for it, and you don't make it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean. what? It's not like Green Bay is going to march down and get a touchdown. I mean, it just means you you didn't make it. You still have an opportunity to stop them. You know the worst case scenario is if you force Green Bay to punt, you're going to be, you know, deeper in your territory than you would be if they but, had to punt from you know but, a deeper territory. But at least you have another play. shot. But and at least you, you got another shot at it. And let's say you get it. <laughs> and, and my second point is why I was yelling at the TV set is that all right, Seattle may have pride in their defense and and so forth, but you have to go by what's happening in the game. What happened in that game is Green Bay won because they converted third downs. Yeah. You know, and it was very unlike them too, but they were all day long. They're converting third downs, and that's exactly what happened. They punted the ball away with the three and a half minutes left, and they converted a couple third downs, get a couple first downs, and that was the end of the game. So, even though I, I know that uh, the coach, uh, Seattle, thought it was a fine decision, and and a lot of football people would say it was a fine decision, but I believe because of the the limited risk really of not making the first down i i I would have not punted go for it and uh i would never take that risk that i'm not going to get the ball back in the game
0: yeah i think realistically the game ended up being kind of a had a lot of uh, you know disappointing moments you know at least you got to kind of watch them come back and make a game of it um i think at this point the thing that uh, it could be crazy, but even with uh, some of the games I've seen, like obviously, um, you know, the Patriots have kind of muddied, you know, the water about the opponents they've played. But um, as far as like NFC, NFC teams, I mean, San Francisco has got to be one of the most complete, powerful teams I've, I, I've seen in a very long time in the NFC. Yeah, because um, even when you think about teams that have beaten them, it's either been very close, or it's been something like the Eagles, where it was just—I mean, it was just a, a shootout. Everyone's just throwing footballs everywhere and racking up forty points on each other until someone stops doing it. You know, where they make a quid, they make a defensive stop, but after after you know, New England scored like thirty-eight points. He finally knocked the ball out of his hand at the end of the game or something. So it's not really great defense, but you have a team like the Rams who really fell on their face last year. And then um, Super Bowl. Yeah. And you had like the Falcons who actually thought, you know, from you know, three quarters of that game, and they've always had a pretty high flying offense and their defense really showed up hardcore. Um within that season and within that game. But, but honestly, like the 49ers, I mean, we were talking about this and we're talking about a possible game between the Ravens who we're talking about as, like, they're the greatest team in, in the league and really talking about them matching up with, with a team like the 49ers and so often the two teams on both sides. Uh, the NFC team, the, the, favorite, the favorite between the two has never been so close. It feels like at times because San Francisco made such a huge leap in the last, you know, year or two here, just make leapfrogging their way up to where they've been, but they're just—they're terrifyingly complete now. Yeah. And at the, and it's to some extent, I almost feel—I'd feel ashamed if the Packers got through it, just because it—it
1: it doesn't feel like it would be like they should. Yeah, you know, but, I'm, to your point, I kind of like most fans is that I like to see the best teams, the two best teams in the Super Bowl. And, but yeah, not necessarily the team that has the best record, but the team that's really, you know, playing well. And you can, like you say, they're complete and powerful in all aspects. And um, I have no problem with Kansas City over Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore obviously was hotter, they won 12-0, but Kansas City's a great team. I have no problem with them being in there. But I agree with you. I, I would have a problem. The Packers, they're okay. But I, I, San Francisco, I think, is, is way better than the Packers. It would just be a shame It'd be a shame if they really
0: kind of put one up on them at the end yeah. of the year here and just snuck up on them.
1: And like I say, it could happen. You know, Aaron Rodgers. I really think uh, people ask me, Because obviously everybody calls Tom Brady the goat now. He's the greatest of all time, and there's still some old, you know, people say Montana or whatever. I'll tell you something. If 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 I was we're picking a football team, you could pick anybody you want. And I was picking a football team. My choice for quarterback would be Aaron Rodgers. I I I really think he's probably the best of all time.
0: Well, I think they they talk about uh people always ask you a game for your life, or whatever, and you had to pick a quarterback. Actually, what I've always thought is uh, Roger Stavak would be. Well, he'd, he'd be, be a good one just because people always talk about how unbelievably competitive he is and and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, but he but he reminds me in a way of that kind of yeah, those kind I of things. But he's but he's I mean he's always he's hung in there through some pretty terrible teams surrounding him, and he's really lifted people to levels. Yeah, we've seen those levels where he's lost every single one of his receivers in the year and has still made household names of several of them. You know, and it's you look
1: at well, even the guys he's got today. I mean, he basically has you know a good running back and Aaron Jones, and a, one good receiver. Yeah, and still, he's playing in the NFC Championship game, and you know, and, he, and they were the number two seeds. I and suddenly
0: was it is it Adam was Adam Lazar? Well, I mean, whatever. He suddenly turned him into
1: a touchdown machine. Yeah, I. You know, a lot of quarterbacks have great arms. You look at almost, almost all the Hall of Famers where they have great arms. Or you look at Patrick Mahomes and so forth. And Rodgers has a great arm, too. But you look at this guy. He's the most calculating quarterback and knows everything about every defense. And I don't care how much you rush him. He can slither out of anything. Just when you think you've got him, he throws him behind his head and it goes in for a touchdown or whatever. <laughs> this guy is, is slippery than an eel. Uh, and you, it's the shocking thing to me is that since he's been the quarterback, the Packers have actually only won one Super Bowl, but they're always kind of there, you know, in the playoffs or just on. And he's just a fantastic quarterback, so he he rescue this thing. I mean, he you know as much as I like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, there's no comparison between who's a better quarterback. Yeah, Rodgers is miles above him. But, but San been, Francisco but has the overall point, better
0: yeah. team. You're talking about the team being a little more I'm supporting and well. I'm really hoping you know was Mahomes. Mahomes was not the starting quarterback. The first time they tried to get into the playoffs a couple of years ago, correct? I thought that was Smith at the time.
1: Yeah, he only became the starting quarterback uh, you know, a year before this.
0: Yes, but he was part of the last one that didn't quite make it. They had that shootout with the Patriots in the correct. playoffs. He was a they, starter
1: for that was last year. Was so, I mean, it's
0: not that. like he's been denied a bunch of opportunities, but obviously I think they, their offense is just... And the receivers he has around him. I guess at the end of the day, you could sit there and you could say all day. You can talk about, you know, oh well, you know, what about Mahomes? So you know, someday he's he's going to be like a Rodgers or something. And well, I, I don't doubt it at any point that he could walk in. You know, when he as he gets older and gets more experience and he's done more things, that he, he could walk into into these teams and turn them into something special. Because even though the people on his team have showed a lot of skill, he turns a lot of people into into something crazy where he's got people like uh, DeMarcus Robinson or even McColl Hardman Betterment, who's yeah. who's had some good return uh, work and everything but he's turning him into a pass catching machine and um, and he makes all those running backs look good too catching everything out of the backfield and uh, with Damian Williams and all them who's uh, he's, he's really been making a show out of the last several yeah this last several weeks and everything and he's got people like Obviously I mean Tyreek Hill is one of the fastest people I've ever seen in my, yeah, in my Kelsey entire life in Kelsey. Um, but uh, but you know they really have to they really have to be like that, obviously because their defense doesn't tend to keep a lot of low scoring games. Yeah, they're so their we're defense in that great for a, for a Super Bowl type uh, caliber team but it will be, it would be fun to see them i mean it'd be fun to see him and aaron Rodgers slinging it out in the super bowl it'd be kind of fun but but i just i have this i just something about me wants to say 49ers are probably going to be the ones getting there and you'll end up with uh two teams in red in the in the super bowl probably
1: yeah, I'd say I'm I'm there too. Like I say, I think San Francisco will it'll probably be a close game. I'm guessing, but I but it wouldn't surprise me if San Francisco won by ten or fourteen points, something like that. They just are such a complete team. And that's you know, interesting. You mentioned about Kansas City, and you think about last week. You know, what was scary is that I think they had, if I recall, they had six straight touchdown drives. Yeah, if and not six, it was seven. <laughs> or seven, one of the <laughs> Whatever, other. Whatever, whichever one it was. But what's scary is that if I remember, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think in the final statistics, Tyree Killery didn't do much
0: yeah I think know? Killingham I think he had a touchdown
1: he might have had one touchdown Damian but Williams not I think has three touchdowns and Kelsey had three touchdowns so you know it's kind of scary that they did all that damage and really I Tyree Kill I think is just fabulous you know it basically uncoverable and he really wasn't required to do like a superhuman job you know just a good job but so it's gets scary what they yeah. can do.
0: Yeah, he's usually a pretty viable distraction if he's not actually scoring. Yeah. He's a, he's making a bunch of other people make sure he doesn't score and that's going to open up the door for everybody else. Well, if we're if we're predict if we're predicting that now that we've changed our Super Bowl predictions now, if you got the 49ers in Kansas City, who do you think can,
1: was going to win that one? Well, that, I'll tell you, that's a tough one. But I, once again, I'd have to give the edge to San Francisco because I think they have the overall more more complete team. And, uh, and that was my prediction at the last podcast. So, I mean, I haven't changed that. You still Did thought
0: it? they were going to beat Baltimore if Baltimore got there?
1: Yeah, and that, uh, I, I still would give the edge to San Francisco slightly. Well, here you go. This is the changeup.
0: I'm going Chiefs. Those yeah. two, those two make it. So now we've got that, we've got that going for us. <laughs> Unfortunately, neither one of them are going to make it to the Super <laughs> Bowl this week. So if that happens, it completely ignore this part and skip yeah. to the very. Just listen to CubCon and then just <laughs> skip to the end.
1: We'll be, we'll be back here next time with our tails between our legs. Uh, and
0: never. Like Remember when I told you the Titans were going to win the Super Bowl? I told you they. Were. Hmm. Well, boy, you know, um, they must have been On some alternative reality. <laughs> they <I> don't require. <laughs> <that. laughs> This is I remember that podcast, you know we said it was going to be the Titans versus Green Bay. we knew it all along. Um, yeah, so I know we've now we've talked about Cubs come, we've talked about Liverpool, We've covered uh, NFL. Um, we'll definitely be putting back something for um, after this round of the playoffs to talk about it and prep up for the most important game of the year, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> nah we'll be setting up for the super bowl and everything uh hopefully we can get the full crew together maybe we can since we got after this game we'll have two weeks we can plan a good solid everyone gets here and we do everything all nice make everything all fancy like so everybody can hear the podcast well
1: um so anything else on your mind no, now. just a humorous society you talk you talk about the Pro Bowl. And that's one thing I think the NFL actually got right. You know, for decades and decades. They used to play the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you'd play this whole season and then you'd have the the big most exciting event of the year, the Super Bowl. And then next week's the Pro Bowl, which, no, no, which nobody cared in the slightest about. And so now, 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 they finally,
0: now, you just get people to watch it because they're just dying to watch. Some right football. now,
1: so now they did it right. They said, "Well, let's, hey, you know what? There's two weeks before between the Super Bowl and, and the and the championship games of the NFC and AFC. Why What are we going to do that week? Oh, why? Let's we'll put the Pro Bowl there. You know? <laughs> so now at least you're still kind of building up to the Super Bowl, even though it's a meaningless game. But at least, like you said, they got something to watch. Yeah. And I and I, I know they did for the long time they didn't do that because they said well if we do that then the players who are going to be in the Super Bowl can't be in the Pro Bowl but the thing is they still
0: a, probably wouldn't do it now Yeah, anyway.
1: nobody cares nobody cares about that game it's really not a competitive game anybody ever watches it's usually a, just a bunch of
0: deep balls to people yeah it's a, it's
1: a shootout and it, there's no tackling people just gently lay people on the ground you know <laughs> everyone's even and both teams are friends with each other they don't want to injure each other and, and they they're doing it right. I don't, I don't, you know. I will tell you, if you watched the Pro Bowl back in the 60s or the 70s, they went at a full bore because <laughs> they were trying to prove that their league was better or they yeah. were trying to prove they were an all-pro. Oh, yeah. And they went all out. And this is true of other sports. You know, hockey, uh, I don't know about basketball so much, it's still kind of true in baseball. because that's non-contact. Yeah. They're, they're still going pretty much full bore there. But if you look at uh, hockey, too, it's it's really kind of a joke there's everyone's skating at like half speed there's no checking you know people are kind of just half going after the puck the goalies are just kind of half going after it which is funny because i I think they have the first place team you know they they play, play like a little tournament and the first place team in the nhl they're they share a million dollar pot so mm-hmm. it's not like nothing. So they've tried to kinda of sweeten the thing so that so I mean there is some motivation, don't get me wrong, but there, there's such a legitimately there's such a a horror and a fear of injury yeah in both football and hockey that nobody wants to, you know, really push the limits at all. Well, of course. Either in hitting or in really extend extending yourself. And the Pro Bowl is really, you say, oh, well, yeah, well, we get to see all these all-stars and all pros. Yeah, but they're only playing at half speed, so it's kind it's of... It's
0: like, really just a spectacle at this point, and I think a lot of people actually dislike it for all the stuff that surrounds the Pro Bowl. They start having skills competitions and other things where people show off, you know, a bit. Um, but no, we will not be covering... I don't think we'll be covering that special for the show, Just in case, unless something completely crazy happens
1: i certainly wouldn't want to make a prediction on the winner that's for sure because it's basically <laughs> the, everyone, ev- everyone loses <laughs> yeah, especially the fans the fans the teams everyone loses at this point it's just uh, literally yeah, it's just it's just a, a money maker i mean it's really yeah. just there for the cash for the oh, for the owners and well i think i think, uh, it goes to the, I, think the, I think i'm not sure but i think maybe the cash goes to the the players fund mm-hmm. for that game i'm not sure but i think it does but so i don't want to say the owners are that greedy but yeah but there's definitely some tv money to be made there
0: <laughs> well i appreciate you stopping in again and uh making another appearance on the show you're very welcome pleasure to be here nice to have some more nice to have some more crew available Uh, for everyone listening I really appreciate you guys tuning in to us again Um, after listening to the last podcast I didn't know how many of you there'd be left (laughs) Um, but we are on Spotify now uh, under uh, Surviving the Ground Uh, on Twitter The STG Podcast we're on Facebook under Surviving the Ground uh, Apple Podcast, which I don't really need probably need to tell most of you because I assume you're listening to it on there. If not, I gave you the Spotify <laughs> already, so you, you're already listening to it. But we're on Apple Podcast under Surviving the Ground. Uh, we'll continue to do so. Um, I'll, I will thank my dad, Joe Dante, for being here again. Um, thank you. Uh, and everyone out there, uh, drive safe. You know it's uh, icy in the Chicagoland area, but. Uh, Hopefully everyone has a, a good Sunday, some good games, and hopefully we have a whole lot to talk about next time around. All right, thank you so much.